Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. So I see it as um, everybody has an opportunity to teach you something about yourself. So when I look at life, I look at, okay, what is this person trying to teach me? Because I'm feeling something and my feelings are inside of me. It's not outside of me, right? So there must be something that is being triggered or something that I'm feeling. And this is like an exciting point where I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, what do I need to learn from this experience so that I don't have to feel that way anymore? What is unresolved that I'm feeling triggered by this incident or what the person said? You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello. On today's episode, joining me is Maisha Chalani, Seda Healer, co-founder and COO of the Third Eye Wellness Wellbeing Center in Manila, Philippines. I've been wanting to have Maisha on the podcast for quite some time now, but somehow it never seemed to work out. The timing never seemed right. Maisha Chalani is an instructor, healer, and well-being coach focused on empowering individuals through a journey of self-development and self-discovery, leading them towards success and personal fulfillment. Today, she joins us to share her Project Loving Myself journey with us. Maisha talks about toxic positivity, toxic relationships, and breaks down what it means to create your own reality. Let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the show, Maisha. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy to get to share my story with you finally. I know it's been, uh, we're on what, season four, and I've been wanting to interview you on one of the episodes and somehow either the timing wasn't right or, you know, you weren't ready or something or the other kept coming in the way. So I'm really glad that we are finally at that point where I get to have you on the podcast with me. It's truly a pleasure. So Maisha, let's start with talking about who you were before you became a healer. Now, of course, I know I watched you, you know, go through that entire journey. I saw the person you were before and the person that you are today. 
But, you know, give our listeners a little bit of an idea of, you know, who was this person before she stepped into the world of well-being and healing and kind of doing your purpose? So I was a person who was quite positive. You know, I believed in the idea that everything always happened for the best. And you know, that really got me through most of my life. But what I didn't realize was that it was borderline toxic positivity. You know, I wouldn't actually deal with my feelings or my emotions. And I would get really uncomfortable when negative situations would show up. So I would ignore it. I would neglect it. I wouldn't express these emotions. And it ended up, you know, getting pent up through resentment and anger and frustration, which was stored every part of my body. And as a result, I would get quite reactive. I would get triggered, you know, when somebody would say something or a situation would happen. And I actually didn't see this pattern until I became a healer. So wait, I want to interject, Maisha. This this term toxic positivity. A lot of people use this idea, you know, sometimes if you're positive, it's not real positivity, it's toxic positivity. So you've given us a little bit of a definition, but can we go a little bit deeper into this idea? What is toxic positivity? How does a person know when, or how do they know the difference between when they're truly a positive person and they're actually in the space of toxic positivity? I think it is really important for us to honor our feelings. When we don't end up honoring our feelings and acknowledging that, yes, you know, I feel bad or I feel frustrated or I feel angry. And we kind of jump straight into, oh, just think positive and just forget about what they said and don't deal with it. You know, this ends up kind of negating and not validating your feelings. And I think that's kind of the start of where you end up ignoring it and neglecting it versus honoring your feelings. So I think, you know, one of the the biggest parts about, you know, being positive is also understanding that you have to honor your feelings and not just neglect it. So what you're saying is anytime you are more focused on wanting to be positive, even though you have all these other negative feelings going on and you just kind of brush it aside, you hide it under the carpet, you pretend like it doesn't exist. That's toxic positivity. Absolutely. That's what I feel. So what's the difference? So for example, if I have a situation in my life, um, I'm doing really well. Okay. And I'm generally feeling really good. And then somebody says something to hurt my feelings. Okay. In a conversation with a friend, this person says something that really hurts my feelings. And now I feel really, really bad. And I feel like, uh, you know, rejected. I feel lonely, abandoned. Okay. I got triggered by that situation. Now, toxic positivity is like, you know what? I'm just going to not, you know, I'm going to forget about it. And I'm just going to pretend like everything's okay. And I'm, I'm just going to be happy. Okay. And I feel like some people with toxic positivity, what they'll do is, you know, that person made me feel that way. I'm just going to, you know, avoid them. I'm just going to get or block them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to block them. I'm going to avoid them. I'm going to stay away. They're the problem, right? They're the problem. And if I avoid them, I don't have to feel this way anymore. Absolutely. That's and that's where resent, yeah, and that's when resentments are created. You know, it's like you create that distance between you and that person, and what you don't realize, the only person that ends up suffering is you. 
Absolutely. Whereas the other way to do it, like someone who is truly positive or truly focused on their growth, will probably look at the situation and say, well, why did I feel that way? What's going on? You know, what am I um, reacting to? And they'll try to kind of investigate and come to some kind of closure with that feeling, or at least they'll feel it. Even if they just kind of say, okay, I'm feeling really bad now. I acknowledge it. Maybe, you know, my self-esteem got a little bit triggered or pushed or bruised. My ego got bruised. And maybe I can understand that she must be coming from something else going on in her life. So you start to kind of find ways to deal with it, but you acknowledge that those feelings exist. Right. You acknowledge that I feel bad and what this person said made me feel bad. And it's not about that person. But if I want to try to understand it better, maybe I can recognize that that other person might have been having a bad day or maybe, you know, something maybe she's upset about something that happened in the past. Right. So you can kind of process that there's something going on there. But also I acknowledge that I'm feeling sensitive about this. So you just kind of work through and confront the feelings right? You deal with it. Yeah. And then then you can go ahead and be positive. Is that how you see it? So I see it as um, everybody has an opportunity to teach you something about yourself. So when I look at life, I look at, okay, what is this person trying to teach me? Because I'm feeling something and my feelings are inside of me. It's not outside of me, right? So there must be something that is being triggered or something that I'm feeling And this is like an exciting point where I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, what do I need to learn from this experience so that I don't have to feel that way anymore? What is unresolved that I'm feeling triggered by this incident or what the person said? Okay. So so when you look at life that way, you know, when you look at life that way, then everybody has a role to teach you something. So you look inward, Maisha, you don't really look at what's happening in the other person's space to help you deal with the emotion. You really focus on the inward experience. Yeah. And that took me a while to get there. So it's not something that was a, you know, quick, quick fix. It was something that I really had to get myself to that situation or position where I'm able to do that. Okay. So rolling back to where you were, you said that before all this came into your life, we're talking about the healing and the well-being you were in the space of toxic positivity. You didn't recognize that that's what it was, but you know, you had this idea that you were a positive person and you were, I mean, you were generally like when we would hang out, you would be funny and you would be lighthearted and entertaining. So I recognize that when negative situations did happen, that they were difficult, they were challenging and they essentially, you know, clouded everything else that was happening in your life. So talk to me about that journey. How did you get from there to where you are today? Well, I started off with, like I said, I never thought I had a problem, right? I always thought I was positive and this was how I was dealing with it. And when I was in school, um, I grew up um, in a Hindu family, but I didn't really know much about religion. So when I was in a Christian school, um, I was in a prayer meeting and you know, one of the students who was a classmate of mine said, you know, let all the non-Christians know of that if they're not Christian, they'll go to hell. And that point, like you said, I was very reactive. So I got triggered and I opened my eyes and I'm thinking, I'm the only non-Christian here. Is he trying to say something to me? So here I am thinking, I don't want to go to hell. 
right? And what does really happen after death? Like I wanted to know and understand um, what happens. And so at that point, I went back to my parents and I said, okay, I know we're Hindu and we don't really do, you know, that many rituals. I wasn't really brought up with the whole um, religious classes aspect, but why do we do what we do, the rituals and stuff? And for them, it was more about blind faith. They're like, we did it because our parents did it. And at that point, I didn't really get that answer that I was looking for. But obviously, the universe has the most amazing way of sending, you know, people, sending situations to kind of help you through this. So when I went to university, I ran into somebody who was um, actually it was my cousin who said, you know, I I'm meeting somebody from these Hinduism classes and I don't want to go alone. Can you come with me? And that sort of unraveled my journey into learning more about my own religion. So when I did, and it was amazing because that's the, that's literally what I was looking for. I came back home to Hong Kong. I was in Australia, by the way, and I continued on with these classes. But what was different this time was I would be guilted into attending. So if I didn't attend this one day, I, they would kind of give me the third degree of what was so much more important than attending. So that's when guilt sort of you know, sort of creeped in. And I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to be. There must be more that, to this than religion. And that actually started my search and, you know, propelled me on this journey on understanding why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my, you know, all these deeper questions into understanding um, the meaning of life. And that got me into the search for um, just answering those questions in general. So what I'm hearing, Aisha, is that here you are trying to figure out your place in life in the context of religion, right? You are born and raised Hindu without understanding much of it. You went yep. to a school where you knew you were like one of the only non-Christians there. I had a very similar experience too. Um, and that made you question, you know, how does religion work? So here you are trying to understand how does this all make sense? You know, am I really going to go to hell because of the religion <laughs> that I do or do not follow? And that leads you down the path of seeking answers, which by the way is something I know a lot of people get to at some point in their life is trying to ask questions about, you know, God or the universe or wanting to go beyond what they have been taught all their life by their religion or by their family. Okay. So here you are, you're at that point. Did you get any answers? Did anything so, kind of strike you? Well, um, what was the biggest tipping point at that point uh, at that time was, you know, the law of attraction sort of fell onto my lap where it's where at that point, it's like whatever that's going on in your life, you have somehow created it and attracted it in your space. So that was a really tough pill for me to swallow, right? If I look back into my life and say, you know, this is what I created for myself. Why would I do that? Am I a narcissist? You know, why would I do this to myself? So it took me a really big um, step to actually accept that. So that was kind of um, the big tipping point for me. And so when I realized that I create my own reality, obviously the next step is 
how do I change this? Right. How do I change the reality that supposedly I created? And that got me down that rabbit hole of hypnotherapy and theta healing and, you know, learning those tools to help me through this. I want to interject here as well, Maisha. I create my reality. Again, it's something a lot of people throw around. Okay. Can we dissect it? What does that really mean? And I know that is your search, right? That was your search at that point when you're like, oh, wow, I create my own reality because that's what the law of attraction says. Yeah. Right. The law of attraction says that whatever happens in my life, good or bad, on some level, I have attracted it and therefore created it for my life. Right. So break it down for me. Give me like maybe examples from your life or, you know, Give me a little clarity that we can share with our listeners about what does that really mean? So we can even go back as far as a baby. You know, when I was born, um, my dad came into um, the hospital room and this is what I could remember or retrace. So I heard that he said to my mom, you won, you got a girl. So at that point... For me, as a baby, I felt that I was unwanted or I wasn't enough or he wanted, you know, a boy. And so I decided as a baby that I need to overcompensate for that. Okay, so this is where my life started to go into needing to be independent and needing to control things in my life. So throughout um, growing up, I had to always be the boy in you know the the family i had to step up to be that boy that my father always wanted to be accepted by him so a lot of my worthiness issues actually stemmed from that my self-worth issues stemmed from that that scene literally took over my life and there was a desire to to prove him wrong that you know even as a girl that i am enough so that's how When I, um, as a baby, created that story in my head that I wasn't wanted or I wasn't enough or that I'm unworthy, that's when it it manifested into my life over and over again. So even when my brother came into the picture, everything was all about my brother and I'm not worthy enough. And all of a sudden, all the attention went to him. So there were a lot of scenarios and situations which reinforced which I already felt as a baby in my uh, my, in in that hospital room and my entire life was me kind of trying to prove them wrong or prove you know my dad wrong okay so I get I get what was happening which is somewhere deep inside I feel inadequate as a girl and so For all my life, until I figure this out, I'm trying to prove to my dad that I'm as good as the boy that he wanted. Even though I was born a girl, right? I can be as good as any boy that he would have ever wanted, right? So that was like the motivation. That was like what was driving you in your life. But it's not like you really knew that's what he said. Do you, did you, is that something you remember? Or are we talking about in one of your sessions? You went back and picked up that memory. So can we just clarify, how did this all become clear to you? Like, what? where did you start? You had a problem. And I'm Mm -hmm. guessing you went to see somebody who then brought you to that awareness that this is what was happening. So let's make it clear. 
So when I, uh, this was actually during even conversations with um, my mom, she would tell me stories about, you know, how, when I was born, we'd ask these questions, right? What was I, what was I like as a baby and what went on? So she had mentioned something. And during one of my sessions, um, I did um, have an issue with worthiness. And this worthiness issue was also related to my relationship at that time. So I was in an on and off relationship and it was really difficult for me to break off from that relationship and move forward. I would always forgive or I would kind of go back to him. And so at that point, I wanted to um, resolve that because I knew it wasn't really going anywhere and it was affecting my self-worth, self-esteem as well. So it was so a toxic what, relationship. You were in a toxic correct. relationship with this guy and you kept trying to get out of it, but you would get sucked right back into the relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So when I worked with the healer and I said, you know, it was a hypnotherapy session and I worked with the healer and I said to the healer that this is my issue. Okay. And can you help me find out where's the root or where's the problem coming from? So your goal was, I need to break up with this guy, right? That's what you were telling the healer. You wanted to find out why. I wanted to find out why. So um, when I did a session with him, what we uncovered was that in, and we went through a past life um, scenario where I went into four different lifetimes where in each lifetime, I actually died alone. So they were really different. You know, there was one when I was a caveman, when one when I was a politician. So very different lifetimes. And in each lifetime, the commonality or the theme was I ended up dying alone. And so when we bring it forward to what's going on in my life, the reason that I wasn't able to let go was because I didn't want to die alone again. Right. So I just hang on to anybody or now that I have him, this is who I'm going to hang on to. So I don't have to die alone again. And this is subconscious, right? This was all subconscious. You had no idea that's what was motivating you to say stay stuck in that very toxic relationship? No idea at all. So it was a big realization. It was something that made me realize and, you know, show compassion. A lot of the times when you don't know why you're doing things and you finally understand why, it makes you feel like, okay, you know, I'm not crazy. There's, you know, it's not that I'm, there's something wrong with me that I keep doing this to myself. And so in a way, it's that recognition or the realization of why something is transpiring in your life that sets you free from it, right? Because you're like, oh, wait a minute. It's not because I, I have no self-esteem or self-control. It's like, at the end of the day, I don't want to die alone again. That's what my yeah. subconscious mind is trying to protect me from. Absolutely. And your subconscious mind is not a bad you know, type of energy. And we think like, why are they doing this? So your subconscious mind always is trying to protect you. It just doesn't know that maybe this isn't the best way to protect this person. Right. Okay. So you get this clarity. You, re you realize something happened in a past life, which is getting in the way of you moving forward to maybe find someone much better than that person, that guy that you were dating at that time. So what happened next? So what happened next is after we did the clearing in the session, it, um, I was free, you know, I didn't have a problem to sort of say, this is it. 
and we're done. And it gave me such a relief and it, it freed me from being bound to that relationship. And I was able to move forward and I was able to meet somebody after that. Okay. So you met somebody else and then sort of what happened next? So we've got a couple of different stories weaving together already. Mm. You've Mm. got that. I don't want to die alone, which showed up in your relationship. You have the part where your father tells your mother that, you know, in a way he wanted a boy, but he got a girl. And so your whole life is about measuring up to the boy that your father wanted, even though you had a younger brother, your younger brother eventually came. And at the end of the day, he could have been the boy your father always wanted. Right. But two things, right? One, it's completely, it's a complete disappointment to know that I, I'm a girl and my father wanted a boy. Like that's just really traumatic for any child to know that they were not wanted because of their gender, right? And then you've got the second thing going on, which is I've got to prove that I'm as good as any boy can be. And so your entire journey becomes about trying to find your self-worth, you know, growing your self-esteem and feeling good enough, which I know is something you and I have talked about a lot. Um, And I've watched you kind of work through that as well. So talk to me a little bit about that. So my self-worth issues really translated into uh, many areas of my life because um, even with that relationship I moved on from, I realized that I was carrying still a lot of baggage. I didn't deal with this self-worth issues at that point yet. It was just, this is the relationship issue. And so I saw it translate into my other relationships where I would sort of bend over backwards or, you know, I would um, kind of give in to um, situations when I should have put my foot down or I, I tried to do that because I didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel worthy of being in those relationships. Right. It was only when I got to that point where I realized and this is through Uh, my healing that just by being a child of God, I am worthy. There's nothing I need to prove to anybody and that I'm born worthy because I'm a child of God. And I had to unlearn a lot of those things where it's like you're only worthy if you get certain grades or if you're successful or if you get a certain job or if you, you know, have a partner and have children. I had to unlearn a lot of those things during my process still. Um, throughout those relationships that I had. So that really kind of still creeped up on me ever so often. You know what I remember, Maisha? I remember that you always dated good-looking guys, (laughs) right? Like you always dated guys who generally were quite like, you know, either they're really good-looking or very, like they had that that good-looking type of confidence to them you know, dressed well or good looking or generally there were a few I'd be like, hmm, Masha, they fit the bill. But generally, I remember you'd always date those kind of boys and then men. And there was always this this joke about it where you would you would make jokes about it. But kind of underneath, I would see like you didn't feel like you deserve them. You feel right. they were better than you 
because they were better looking or because of something or the other. And I remember that was something that would come up in your relationships. Right. I don't think I've ever called that out to you. Mm. Um, though I remember having these conversations about, you know, the guys being good looking or something like that. So what do you think of that? Like, do you think that was, I mean, I see it as that was all part of the same story, which is I'll constantly find myself being compared to or being with somebody who I perceive you is better than me in some way, which then makes me feel like I'm not good enough. So I feel like this ties into the whole I create my reality. So if you start off feeling like I'm not good enough, my self-esteem is low, you will find yourself in situations where you'll put yourself with people who you see as better, better looking, better in some way, just so you can prove to yourself, see, I'm not good enough. See, I'm not as good as them. And of course, this is all happening subconsciously. But isn't that, wouldn't you say, exactly the whole you create your reality story absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And, um, you know, when you put it that way, it it really also um, makes a lot of sense. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. In what went on in my life that way. So yeah, absolutely. And your husband, by the way, um, for all the listeners. So Maisha's husband, we used to joke, looks a little bit like the Sam... Milby. Milby. <laughs> right? We used to joke in you when you got, when you first started dating him, we'd be like, oh my God, he looks a bit like Sam Milby. And then the other day we were at um, a, an, an event together, you and me. And, oh, you weren't there. Sorry, Maisha, you weren't there, but he was there. And we were joking around because one of our friends says, said that he looks a, li- a little like that model. I think it's Tim Connor. Okay. Is it Tim Connor, um, the one from from Thailand? And, you know, a friend of ours was like comparing your husband, Lavesh's picture with this other guy and being like, look, there's a resemblance. And we were all like kind of joking about him and teasing him. And, you know, it's another example of how you generally find, like put yourself in that situation. But of course, you've already healed all worked of this. Through. Yeah, you've worked through it. So how is it now? Like what's the before and the after such scenario of working through the self-esteem issues? 
You know, um, when you when you're telling the story, what uh, it reminds me of one of the things which can really uh, explain how, you know, your thoughts and how it links back to um, my experience of as a baby and, you know, being a girl is when I got married to my husband and, you know, my husband is amazing. I love him so much. Um, it's just that he's not a very romantic type of um, person. He's not that type of, he's very serious, very like, you know, put together and he doesn't do the whole romance thing. So we were long distance and obviously with long distance, you make a little bit more effort, right? So he would send me flowers and we would talk on the phone. And after we got married, it became where, you know, he went back to who he was, which is I'm not a romantic guy. And I started thinking to myself, oh, what happened? Does he not love me anymore? Is this why he's not being romantic anymore? And obviously, I realized at that point, it's all me. So I had to do a lot of work on myself. And it actually went back to that feeling of me as a baby feeling unwanted or unloved. You know, so once I healed and resolved that, I realized my husband loves me regardless, you know, regardless of whether he expresses himself, regardless of whether he's romantic or not. And I love myself. And that's the most important thing. And that was like, clearly the the most recent experience. And so what happened after I cleared that and resolved that, and he didn't know any of this, I worked on myself, obviously, is my husband changed. He started becoming more thoughtful in the things that he did for me. He created, I know he's going to get mad at me, but he created a photo book, you know, for a guy to create a photo book and, you know, for his wife for Valentine's Day or like make an effort to be very considerate in terms of, and more thoughtful about the things that he bought. And that was just for me working on myself, on my self-worth issues. Right. So, and that's yeah. what I... I, that's what I tell my clients and students, and I know you do as well, that all it takes is for us to do the work to witness the changes in our life, even in the way people relate to us. Because generally, everyone's responding to our challenges or issues or flawed or projections, system, yeah, or projections, right? Mm, and mm. And so what I'm calling a flawed belief system, which is you know, something you carried, which is I'm not as I'm not good enough because I'm born a woman instead of the son my father wanted. Right. Or I'm not good enough because my father didn't want me or I'm and there were a lot of those belief systems that came from that situation. Right. Um, as a as a baby, and what happened? You to know, you? saying that um, also it's, you know, my dad has no idea. Right. And I had the closest relationship with him. And we, you know, like with a father daughter relationship that we had was, was amazing. So it wasn't like it was in my face where we really had struggles with each other, my father and myself. It was underlying. It was really a subconscious thing that I was carrying. Wow. And so you worked on it in so many different ways. You saw things change in your relationship with your husband. I saw you grow through the different relationships you had before you met him and married him. Right. And kind of you watched yourself grow into a person that you're more happy to be. Correct. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about like the changes. Let's talk about what you think changed for you the most 
as you went on this journey, which I call on the podcast, the project loving myself journey, like you took two journeys, you took project loving myself, which is kind of learning to love yourself and, you know, freeing yourself from all that baggage from the past. But you also went on to become a healer. Um, and you are a theta healer, you are an instructor, you work with people all the time. So let's talk about what changed for you as Maisha, the person over the journey. And how did that lead you to want to do this for other people? So when I could, if I take a step back and look at my life, I started off with being a passenger in the car that I was driving in life. and moved into being the driver, right? I didn't realize that whether I accepted the law of attraction or not, it was happening. You know, I was passively manifesting without even realizing it. Okay. So it was still happening with my thoughts, with my emotions, with my belief systems. But when I moved into understanding, you know, the law of attraction and understanding how I can create my own reality. That's when I became the driver of my car instead. And when I became the driver of my car, life became so much more easier. You know, I was in the flow with everything. So things which would have bothered me before or triggered me before becomes a non-issue or it's something that I can look at it, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that this is a great learning opportunity. So life becomes so much more easier where I don't have to hang on to something for weeks and get upset about it, you know, and end up getting sick. And so things just flow. And even in my life at this point, I don't have any crazy stuff that goes on because I'm creating my reality. And so it's just so much more easier in life now. Okay. So I'm driving my car. Okay. That's what you're saying. That's what it looks like to come out on the other hand, end of healing. Okay. But driving your car means what? Does it mean I take every decision in my life and the universe cooperates with me? Does it mean that in my relationships with other people, I don't get affected I don't react. I don't get triggered. And so my relationships are better. And there's no, I heard you say also drama, like there's, I don't get sucked into the drama or, you know, all the issues that are happening around me because I'm, I'm good, you know, where I'm at. Right. So So what it means to drive my car, and I'm going to take a little bit, you know, step back is, um, One of the bigger learnings that I had to get me to that point where I feel like I could drive my car is understanding that God and the universe always says yes. You know, we've brought up with the understanding that we're not worthy of having this because, you know, maybe I did something wrong or because God doesn't want me to have it or, you know, the universe says it's not for me. So when I accepted that and understood that God always says yes. And I am not a victim of, um, of what God wants or the wrath of God. It allowed me to understand if God always says yes, then how can I create a life that I want? Right. So it must be me. So if anything that's going on in my life, Rather than not dealing with it or, um, ignoring it, what I now do is, I take that driver's seat. I am in control of my feelings. I am in control of my reality. 
So if something happens, I need to ask myself and looking back in words again and understand, okay, what am I doing to attract this? Now, in another area, for example, if there's a block and I'm not able to manifest something, I need to understand what am I doing to block me from receiving or accepting. So I understood or I realized that God is always saying yes. So if I don't have anything in my life, it is because of my blocks and my belief systems and what I have created maybe in the past for myself subconsciously that I don't realize. So when I know that I can co-create with God, if God is always saying yes, I just have to tell God, this is what I want. And this potentially is what's blocking me. Let me clear it. And so now I am the driver and I create my life the way that I want it versus a victim or just a passenger. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing. It's about responsibility. So being in the driver's seat means I take responsibility for everything that's happening, good or bad. If it's good, it's exactly what I want. But all the things that are happening, which are not going my way, I'm not manifesting something or um, things are not working out or I have a relationship issue. I accept that if these other things that I don't want are happening, I take responsibility and recognize something in me needs to be healed or worked on or developed. Essentially, I need to go see somebody or work on myself if I have the tools to fix it because I recognize that I'm responsible for that too, right? So we don't anymore hold God, the universe, the way things are, my destiny. We don't hold anything accountable for our life except ourselves. Ourselves, yeah, absolutely. Right? We can't blame anyone else. We can't just say it's my bad luck. This is happening to me and I have no control. We essentially take our power back. That's what it means, right? To take your power in back and say, yeah, I'm creating everything. So even if I'm in a situation I don't like, it's me, which means I've got to fix myself. And I think that is the single most powerful moment in anyone's life when they recognize that it's, it's me in every situation. It's all me good and bad. And so if I'm enjoying all the good, I must also accept that whatever comes that is challenging me or distressing me, that uh, I got to take ownership of that. And I got to figure out how I'm creating it, how I'm contributing to it. And then in, in comes healing, right? Or in comes coaching. So these are the tools that now come to us uh, by which we can, we can get the help that we need right? To, to, to shift or to change yeah, what we don't and get want. to the, the root and understanding, right? Of why did we create this in the first place? Right. So now tell me, how did your experiences lead you down the path of wanting to do this as, you know, your profession? Let's talk about that. So um, when I um, go back and actually my degree in college was um, financial planning, I realized already at that point, I wanted to help people achieve their goals. So this was something that was an innate thing that I had within me. But the actual reason why I wanted to do um, the degree in financial planning was for myself. So everything that I did actually 
went back to, I want to know how to do things for myself, right? Because I'm independent and I need to be in control. And because of that, that's the step that I took forward. I need to learn how to control my own thoughts. I need to learn how to do this for myself. And the moment that I accepted that um, if I created my reality, I need to control and learn how to control, how to create my reality and um, use the tools, that's when it went into uh, the driver's seat. And when I realized how my life changed as a result, I said to myself, if I can do this for myself, can you imagine how I can impact so many other people? around me. If only they knew this, if only they knew that they could feel empowered enough, if only they knew they had the power to change their reality. And I think, you know, a lot of people understand the law of attraction, but the little bit of a missing link is I get it. I create my own reality, but how do I change that? So for me, allowing people to get that that um, that missing link of understanding how to do that through the tools that we we use in theta healing or hypnotherapy, it it's it's such a, a empowering feeling when they actually understand how to change my thoughts, how to change my reality. Because we think three thousand thoughts in a day, you know, we can't kind of be aware of every single thought. So it's sort of transitioned from me wanting to know how to do this for myself to to seeing my life shift and stepping into wanting to see other people um, shift and change and helping them. And that actually got me to my life purpose, which is what I do now. I'm living my life purpose. I'm able to help so many people, whether it's through teaching classes, whether it's through one-on-one sessions, whether it's through awareness talks, that every person that I speak to can somehow change the way that they think. And even if it's just understanding that, hey, wait a minute, I create my own reality, then they go home and um, they change the way that they react or feel or behave towards their family members. And then their family members are happier in that day and they they end up, you know, it's a ripple effect, right? So I feel like that superhero that I wanted to be as a kid, where I wanted to save the world and I'm doing it, you know, one person as a, at a time. So, so that's how I feel um, it transitioned into now living my life purpose. It's so beautiful, Maisha. And I totally resonate with you um, since we have taken, you know, very parallel journeys in working on ourselves first healing our stuff and then realizing, wait a minute, if I came this far, why doesn't anyone else know about this? How come this is like something that not everyone is doing or talking about? And, you know, just that that kind of passion to want to help people and serve people is how you and I both found our ways into, say, the healing and doing what we do today with our clients. I know like what really makes my day is when I get a message from somebody who has, you know, had a session, um, even with another person or any other technique. And they're like, Oh my God, I just feel so much better. I just feel like I'm light or like everything or something's changed. And I'm just like, yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, if only everybody 
knew that it could be as easy as that. Yeah, I still get goosebumps. I still get goosebumps every time somebody tells me, you know, this is how it changed. And this is how, you know, what is what I've manifested as a result, you know, my soulmate or abundance or any area. Yeah. I totally hear you. And, you know, just this weekend, I got a message um, from one of our listeners on Project Loving Myself, uh, Bea. So she sent me a message and she said, hi, I tried Theta Healing yesterday with Zoss. And Zoss is one of our healers, right, Maisha, at the center. And so Bea says, I tried Theta Healing yesterday with Zoss and it was amazing. I cried my heart out during the session and I don't know why. And of course, I was just like, you know, I'm so happy to hear that you had a good experience. And she says... I feel light and I feel like I'm glowing. Thank you. And I remember, you know, reading her message. I shared it with her permission on um, on my stories. And it's just like for me, it's like, see, like, see how easy it can be. See how much benefit you can get when you just start prioritizing yourself and working on yourself and, you know, doing even just one step towards making change in your life. Absolutely. So what are your and thoughts? I, I want to also add, you know, um, uh, and I know that a lot of people think of, you know, theta healing in terms of working through their emotions and their belief systems, but you can also use it for clearing fears. And I think that's one of um, my favorite things to do as well. Like for somebody who have had fear of heights for so many years of their life, you know, for within one session, they're no longer, they're free of that or fear of dogs or fear of the water. You know, that's also something I want to kind of reiterate that there's so many areas that healing can really change and impact your life, not just in terms of your emotional issues that you don't have to deal with. You know, can you imagine somebody who's scared of heights cannot travel, cannot get on a plane that's limiting them to to a country where they've not gone outside their comfort zone. So I think, um, you know, I definitely agree. It's amazing to be in that position. And, you know, it's not limited to any one way, right? Healing happens through many different ways, um, whether somebody does a Reiki session or somebody does uh, hypnotherapy, which is kind of where you started. If somebody goes to a coach or counseling, we're not saying that it has to be any one way. What we're saying is that take the step. And watch how your life starts to kind of fall right into place, which is what we all ultimately want. Absolutely. You're not alone in this, right? And that's what we're kind of saying. There's so many different modalities. There's different ways that you can heal yourself, that you can, you know, pave your way forward and step forward. And we're all here to kind of support you in all of this. Right. You are not alone. Right. Now, Maisha, what would you say to someone who is going through a tough time in their life and they don't see any way forward? Like if you had to speak to them, they're standing right in front of you. Okay. What would you say to them? I'd say book a discovery session. Now, I would say, first of all, I would, I would absolutely say you are not alone. You are never alone. There's always God. There's you. There's friends. There's people around you to help you through this. Right. And I think that's one of the a lot of people feel alone when they're going through this. They feel that they don't have anybody that they could relate with, that could help them, that could understand how they're feeling. You know, a lot of um, in the olden generations, they just say, why are you feeling depressed? It's, it's something that you're creating. It's not real. Right. So you are not alone. 
and that you have access to so many ways for you to get out of this feeling of being stuck, feeling of um, being unable to move forward, whether it's starting off with a discovery session that you can book, whether it's through journaling, through a gratitude list, just take the next step. And once you take that next step and things are in motion, then everything will just follow. But the tricky part, right, Maish, is when you are in that funk, when you are at that low point in your life and things just feel really bleak, it's really hard to be like, okay, I'm going to go do something about it. You know, I'm going to go go in for a session. I'm going to go do a meditation. I'm going to, you know, that's one thing that I feel um, we need to also kind of discuss because I remember being at my low points and I never thought like there was a way out. I never thought like somebody could help me, you know, get out of it um, at that point. And it was a rocky road until I learned about the different ways of healing and, you know, these different like these things became a little bit more accessible to me at the time that I was living in Dubai. So kind of is there a tip you could give someone who can't even get themselves to think about, I don't know, seeing the light out of any situation. You know, what is a quick thing that they can do that you think might help them even just take that next step? In order to take that next step, you can um, go into realizing that you have a bigger purpose here in life. I think everybody's been given a gift, right? And has a, a divine mission and purpose that they have and that you're here to fulfill that you are important, you know, and if you are going to um, be able to realize and accept that you're not just a, a sideline in this movie, you're that main role, right? And accept that you're here to fulfill a mission or purpose and that you are important, then I think that will also propel you to be inspired and motivation, motivated to get out of the situation that you're potentially in. You are the hero of your own movie, of your own Absolutely. story. So own it, own it, right? I think that's actually a really good advice is to get people to kind of see how important they really are because obviously they feel unimportant, which is why they feel stuck in where they're at. So now um, we're going to kind of end with my standard um, question that I love to ask every guest. What is your project loving myself message or mantra for our listeners? Something well, you would like to share? I want to share that, you know, your feelings are inside of you and you are the only one can who can control how you react to those feelings. So the moment you allow people or situations to dictate how you feel or how you react to those feelings, you're giving away your power. So take back your own power and choose a life that you want to live that you love. I love that, Maisha. Take back your power. You know, I think that's just that statement sums up what a healing journey is about, what a self-love journey is about. And I know that you've taken your own. And so when you speak and say these words, you're talking to yourself as well. You know, you're talking to that old self of yours who did that. You know, she took back her power. She went from being in toxic relationships. She went from being in a space of toxic positivity to finally learning that she creates everything in her reality and she takes responsibility for it. And so much so that here you are teaching other people 
to do very that, very much the same for their own lives. Maisha Chalani, thank you so much for uh, coming on to Project Loving Myself, for sharing your very impressive, that's the word I want to look at, I want to use, your very impressive journey with us. Thank you so much. And uh, if people want to follow you, if they want to know a little bit more about the services you offer or they want to book, a, you know, I know you offer free one to one. Is it like a 20 minute discovery sessions, which I think you've already mentioned a couple of times. Um, you offer free one to one uh, discovery sessions how can they get in touch? And I will, you know, post the link as well. So um, they can get in touch with me through uh, Maisha at thirdeyeonline.com or even to uh, our website, which is thirdeyeonline.com. And you can find all the information through there. Okay, great. And I'm going to post the link, of course, to your free discovery session. Maisha, and they can follow you on Instagram as well, right? Absolutely. At Maisha Chalani. Yes, I will. I will post that in our socials as well. And yeah, I hope that um, someone who needs to hear this right now is going to go right onto that website and just, you know, have a little chat with you if that's going to help them perhaps, you know, look at their life from a very different perspective. So once again, my gratitude. Thank you so much. If you got something out of this episode, then do share it with someone who needs to hear this right now. I would love it if you could take a moment to rate and review the podcast and please tap the subscribe button so you know when a new episode is out. New episodes are out every Monday. Drop me a DM and tag at Project Loving Myself Podcast and at Sanaya Gurnamal on your insights or thoughts about today's episode. If you are interested in becoming a Theta Healer or having a session, then head on to www.thirdeyeonline.com or book your free 20-minute one-on-one Theta Healing session with Maisha. Our next beginner's Theta Healing class, Basic DNA, is from September 12th to the 15th via Zoom so you can take the class wherever you are. Email manila at thirdeyeonline.com for more information. In line with our topic today, Brené Brown says, We cannot selectively numb emotions. When we numb the painful emotions, we also numb the positive emotions. Thank you for listening to Project Loving Myself, where you are important, you matter, you are loved. This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Pod Machine. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. 